Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. A little early to get you home safely. Um, so we'll see. Kind of chapter that has so much in it. I know. What are we going to do? All right, my friends, we are in Genesis 22. My ears are a little clogged today, so if I start yelling, just yeah. say, tell it down a little bit. I know, that's how I feel. So. So. I'm just getting excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right, so uh, let's read uh, the first eight verses um, of this chapter. It says, Now after these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to, the, to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship, and come to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they both of them went together. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. Okay? Uh, did I say donkey wrong? That's the way you always say it. Yeah. yeah I, I can't remember the right way. I, I think I say donkey, and my kids say, it's donkey, or whatever. So I don't know if I said it. All right, good. All right. So here we are. We are in uh, Genesis chapter 22. I remember this chapter was brought up by a professor I had in college. And I went to Rider University, secular college, and I was in like a world religions class. Uh, and he made this statement. It was fine. It was okay. Um, it wasn't like horrible. Uh, but he made the statement that Judaism practiced uh, primitive Judaism, early on Judaism, Abraham, and so on, practiced human sacrifice, as is evidenced by uh, this particular passage here. Um, and so I pointed out, well, he didn't actually offer the son, and we have no record that any human was offered. So that alone is not evidence that they practiced human sacrifice. Um, so we have There's verses that God says to them, you've done things that I didn't tell you to do that wouldn't even enter my mind. And he was specifically talking about offering their kids. That's right. To Baal and, yeah. And Molech, Molech and, and, and all of that. Absolute great mm-hmm. point. Um, now, certainly, though, I don't know how familiar you are with this passage. Many people are. It's, uh, it's a good one kind of thing. Um, they're all good. But um, there are aspects to this that are discomforting, nonetheless. You know, if you, if you put yourself in Abraham's shoes or sandals, you know, you think, oh, I don't know. Um, if I would do that or if I'm comfortable with that. Um, you know, if somebody came to you today and said, you know, God spoke to me last night and he wants me to, to offer my son as a test of my faith, we would, we would probably contact the authorities and, you know, have them checked out and all that kind of stuff. And so there's an aspect of this story that is uncomfortable. Um, that being said, 
from the back side of things, or maybe the front side of things, one of the sides of things, <laughs> we can look at this and see some uh, real beauty in this passage because, as Michael Card said, do you guys know Michael Card? Mm-hmm. I love Michael Card. You know, Michael, you're missing out. You're missing out. <laughs> Michael Card was a musician. He's not really playing much anymore, if at all. Um, but he basically is a Bible teacher in his songs, um, and he plays like piano or guitar, that kind of thing, um, kind of soft. Um, but he sang a song of, I don't know what it was called, the Genesis Trilogy. Uh, and he said, what Abraham was asked um, to do, he's done. He's offered his only son, referring mm-hmm. to God the Father. Um, and so there's some real beauty looking backwards at this and, and seeing it from the perspective of the cross. Um, and so we'll, we'll spend some time and we'll consider that. All righty. Now, the context of things... I wasn't with you last week. Mark, I heard you did super. Did he do super, everybody? No recording to prove otherwise. Okay, good. I don't know what I was doing at this time. I think I was putting sheetrock up at this time of night, but uh, we we, uh, took a vacation and I put a bathroom in. Awesome. Uh, That's what I was doing. No, I wasn't out of town. I worked harder last week than I do every other week. But anyway, the context of things is Isaac, the long-awaited promised son remember uh, Abraham has another son and and we're going to see here it says take your only son he does have another son um, who is Ishmael who's 13 years old when Isaac is born 12 13 Um, but Isaac that long-awaited son for 25 years is now born and remember Abraham and Sarah were promised to have a child Um, not Abraham and Sarah's concubine and all that and so um, that long-awaited child has come. That's chapter 21. We have a passage there about a treaty that takes place. Uh, and then we have in chapter 22 the sacrifice. And so kind of reading through our Bible, we can look at it and think, all right, you know, Isaac is two years old, three years old, something like that. He's a little kid. Um, rabbinical tradition has been for thousands of years that Isaac is an adult, uh, 25, 30, 35 years old, not that he's a little kid. And so even though this passage comes right after the birth of Isaac, it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be a little kid. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 34 of chapter 21, and it says there, and Abraham sojourned many days uh, in the land of the Philistines. Uh, That many days could be many years, as it seems that it was... uh, maybe as many as 30 years uh, later. Okay, so uh, then we read this. It says that God tested Abraham. Does anybody have a different word used there in their Bibles? Oh, uh, wait, what verse is that? Verse I'm sorry, that's verse 1, I think. Oh, now it came to pass. God tested? Yeah, tested. Yeah. Okay, the King James says tempted oh, Abraham. My, oh, see, my new King James says tested. So let's see yeah, well, James. tested is a better term than tempted, particularly because in the New Testament it says that God isn't tempted, nor does he tempt. And yeah. we think of temptations as bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily think of, you know, I was tempted to get up this morning and read. You know what I mean? Like, were you? you know? <laughs> but I withstood it, and I stayed firmly in bed. Um, so temptations usually are bad things. So maybe a better term is tested. Um, and that is what's happening here. Now, I used to be a school teacher, and we used to love giving tests. You know, you know the old expression, prayer will always be in public school as long as there are tests. You know, we used to love making kids squirm or whatever. And... 
you test for two reasons. I was just talking to my son, Luke. I'm talking a lot tonight, by the way. Forgive me. Uh, but I'll, I'll get you involved. Sorry, you um, I'll catch you up there. I know. I, I didn't talk on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, but uh, I was talking to my son, Luke, and he's doing very well in his math class, he said, which is unusual. And so um, I said, oh, yeah, so why are you doing well? And he said, well, she's a really good teacher. And she teaches the material, half of it. Then she gives us a quiz. Then she teaches the second half. She gives oh. us a quiz. And then she tests us on all of it. And I can remember this stuff. And so sometimes we test as teachers to see uh, how much the kid knows. You know, we, we want to know ourselves how mm -hmm. much the kid knows. Other times we want to reveal to the kid, I'm giving you a quiz today and you failed it and we have a test tomorrow. You better make sure you go home and study all those things you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So who is this test for here in chapter 22? Is it for God or is it for Abraham? Abraham. And why do you say that, Paul? It just seems like God's testing him to see if, if he'll, uh, how far he'll go and to, in his faithfulness. All right, so and he wants. It, yeah, it's for it's. God already know, doesn't need to be tested. God's seeing seeing if uh, Abraham's willing to make the ultimate. Mm -hmm human sacrifice i can't say holy sacrifice but so it's a uh, stretching experience for abraham yeah it would be a stretch for any sure anyone to uh to bring their one of their their children and um up and put them on a, an altar and and yeah. almost bring the night to them yeah now um suzanne you yes, sir. also said uh abraham do you want to comment on that? Um, besides the fact that it says God tested Abraham. <laughs> that, that's the easy right, way but, out. But, but who is it the test for? Is yeah. it so God could learn, like, no, is this God guy really serious? Yeah. Or? Well, God knows, right? Because God knows everything. Why but the test is for Abraham. Okay. She's What's paying the, attention in our doctor class. Yes, you have been. What's the test uh, <laughs> going to prove or trying to prove? I think it's going to prove his faith. And, and it's going to God's prove to Abraham, it, like God's uh, faithfulness to him. Okay. Well, can, twist. can Abraham discover this about God? At the very end, I'll skip ahead. At the very end, it, it, he refers to him as Jehovah Jireh, yeah. the Lord, our provider. Um, could Abraham have discovered that about the Lord without going through this experience, do you think? Mm, well, because... God promised him that he would have many nations, so I guess ultimately that would have happened. And but he also was putting his finger right on the most precious, the most precious thing. Because <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Abraham's a rich man; he's a he's got a little kingdom kind of thing going yeah. on there with his, all his servants and people. So it's not like he so needs God to provide right. stuff, mm -hmm. right? This is like is the ultimate. The I think so. So what I was thinking was, you know, if God said, hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice um, to me, not your son, just I want you to do a sacrifice to me. Um, and so, you know, you got a thousand lambs out there. Take one of those, you know, everything comes from me. You know, look what I've done for you. How great. Take one of them. Abraham could have went and done it and it not really have had a great impact on him necessarily mm -hmm. as far as from the perspective of, wow, the Lord has provided you know, yeah. so you, you think about when you have like no resources and you're like, and then the Lord comes through and you're like, oh God, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. 
Ready? And then when you have a whole abundance of things and you have a need and you're like, well, I'll just dip into the bank account and we'll get it out of there. Again, I, I share this example. I, I had a lot of cars that built my prayer life because I wasn't quite sure if they were going to start, you know. <laughs> right. And so you get in the car and you're extremely grateful yeah. when it actually runs. Turns over. <laughs> and yeah. compared to when your car is reliable, you just, whatever, yeah. you know, you just get in. You don't even think about the Lord. You just yeah. turn the, the key. Well, we so. mentioned it last week mm -hmm. um, when he was having this whole thing with the well at Beersheba. Mm -hmm. His price or his, his the amount of the amount of stuff that he put up for that well was six ulams, which is very mm -hmm. extravagant. Mm -hmm. Six or seven? Uh, seven. I'm sorry. Seven okay. Ulams. So, the fact that he ha he had that stuff is disposable. He'd pay that much for a well, sacrificing one thing, like you said, may not be. Uh huh. Very good. Much, even if it's the best thing of the. Of it's kind of kinda like that. Um, and I don't. I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it properly, but it, there's this whole concept of giving till it hurts, right? Like giving the thing that is you know it's if it's easy to, for you to give x amount then go to the place where it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. and that like that's the edge right and so this is you know up and over well, at, yeah, at abraham's yeah. edge yeah well he only really has one son left i mean right since ishmael's gone this and this is the yeah one. you're right so, yeah and this is a surrender too it's not just yeah. giving till it hurts it's You've got to surrender in that giving. Yeah. I mean, you can give till it hurts and not really be that surrendered. Just do it. Be a stoic. Okay, take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't really thinking of stoic. Like I'm thinking, when I give till it hurts, it's not like it isn't stoic. <laughs> it <laughs> it hurts. You can you can be stoic about. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think do. about that. How would that look? What would that be like? Well, you can be like Job. How can it you hurt? You can be like Job and say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I'm sure he was emotional about I was going to say, do you think Stoic. that is stoic? I think there's, you could be that way in it. Huh. I need okay. to look up the word stoic when we go home. Well, it means like, <laughs> well, it's unemotional. 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 Later on, he says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. So yeah. there's a way of, you're just giving it over. And I'm not going to be emotional about yeah. it. I'm well, he also says, you know, you have to, you should be a cheerful giver, too. So right. there are people <laughs> who can give till it hurts and not be cheerful about it. Or well, not it depends. Yeah, I mean, it w yeah, if we change the context, it yeah. can, we can turn it into a lot of different things. Okay. Well, um, I think one other thing with this whole process is um, this doesn't make sense because God, you know, he called me. 25 years ago, to refer to Abraham, he called me 25 years ago to go to a place that he would show me. He continually revealed to me this idea that through my offspring with Sarah, the world's going to be blessed, the great nation and all that. And now he wants me to sacrifice that son. That doesn't make sense. I don't understand what you're doing, God. All right? And so I think that's another real challenge here. Mm -hmm. But God's going to test him. Um, to strengthen his faith journey, to reveal some things about himself, meaning to Abraham himself, to himself. Um, and what I think is significant, if Isaac is 30 years old or up, up there in age, not like a two-year-old kid, then that means Abraham's been on a faith journey for 50 years now or more. And yet God is still growing him. And I think that's significant. Sometimes I think, you know, we kind of, we get to a place and we're good to go. But God wants to keep stretching us and we have to keep submitting ourselves and seeking his will. And so 
it says, Abraham. You, you notice the exclamation point? I, I think I told you, I remember when Hopi was learning exclamation points, and she would scream <laughs> like, when we were reading them. And so, so here, it says, I, it just stands out to me that it says Abraham with an exclamation point. Um, and then he answers, here I am, which is a good response, by the way. Um, if Isaac is 30 years old, then the last recorded time that we have the Lord speaking to Abraham uh, is 30 years earlier here, back when Isaac was born. Um, and yet, you know, this idea of an audible voice. Um, and yet Abraham is quick to hear um, and listen, so he's sensitive to God's voice. And then it says in verse 2, he said, uh, take your son, your only son Isaac. I imagine uh, Abraham is probably like, oh no, I should have pretended I didn't hear his voice or, or something. But he says, take your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering um, at a place that I will show you. And so I made the point about your only son Isaac. So how is that not incorrect biblically? Because he does have another son. That makes sense. That question. Your only son that was with the, the son that God promised him. Okay. The only one God's acknowledging. The legitimate one. Okay. Good. You're all. You're on the mark. Very good. I guess because he wasn't technically married to Hagar, right? So it was, she was like a concubine. concubine so uh huh. <coughs> that child doesn't really have a standing as son legally or. No. I don't know. Wasn't it custom that they would do that anyway? I read something about that today, I but I can't remember. I think they did have. Oh, would they? Oh, that's what she did say. That's right, Sarah. That's the whole reason Sarah right. Yeah. Because he would be reckoned as her, her kid. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, somehow reason God doesn't look at it that way. Okay. Well, remember, Ishmael was the plan. The whole plan was sort of the work of the flesh. Yeah. Like, let's help God out. Let's come out right. with that. But God's looking at. Um, the son of the promise here, which is Isaac, and so that's the idea. Now, we have this interesting word here in verse 2. It's the word love. Here we are, it's February, it's Valentine's weekend. Um, this is the first time that the word love, can you believe it, is mentioned in the Bible? Yeah, isn't that amazing? As a matter of fact, this chapter, there's, I believe it's four different words, which go on to become significant words in the Bible. Definitely three, I think four though that appear for the first time in this chapter. Huh. Um, worship, I believe, is one. Love and lamb is one. And there's, mm -hmm. I think there's another. Um, we'll come across it when I get there. Um, Do you know what the Greek one they use for this is? Well, this would be Hebrew. Or Hebrew. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't look it up. I was curious if they used one. Huh? <laughs> where's Baron? Yeah, where's our buddy Baron? I, <laughs> uh, I can look it up. Uh, I was just curious because I'm can now. just thinking about yeah. the law first mentioned. Yeah. Because it sets the standard, right? Yes. So say that again for those who aren't familiar with that rule. Um, the, when something's mentioned for the first time in the Bible, it's referred to as the law of first mention, and it sets the standard of what that word will be defined as or will mean or will reference in yeah. the future? Now, I'm not sure if that rule is 100% all the time, but it's certainly a principle that you can look to. It's and, a principle. And yeah. you can say, look at that. that there's probably something there. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's interesting that it's not, most of the time we think of love as like romantic love. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that the first time this is mentioned is not in that context. It wasn't with Adam and Eve or, I don't know, Noah and his wife or something like that. But it's now a father's love for his son. Um, so tuck that away. Maybe it's something you come back to. Did you look up the word? It's Ahab, Ahav. Ahab? Ahav. Okay. Ahab. Um, human love for another includes family. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so it doesn't break it down like love, we're familiar lovers, with the Greek. friends, beloved, loveth, liketh, loving. Okay. The primitive root for having affection for. <laughs> okay, it would be fun if it was like agape or something. You well, know, I was but just that's curious. the yeah, New Testament. Just, yeah. But all right, so now it it also talked in that verse about um, going to the land of Moriah. Now Moriah refers to it's a primitive name for the area of Jerusalem. Um, later on, it would kind of be Moriah. The word is used twice in the Bible. Second um, Chronicles chapter three. Moriah is the area that David goes. Uh, and purchases the threshing floor um, there. So that's the land of Moriah. It's a word which means kind of the same idea, foreseen by the Lord or chosen by the Lord. It's an area of land chosen by the Lord or foreseen by the Lord. Um, And certainly I think, uh, you know, I don't know geographically what the center of the world is. I, I would assume it's where the zero and the zero of longitude latitude passes somewhere in Africa. Uh, but it, it seems that the center of the universe, as far as God is concerned, is Jerusalem. Um, and everything's going to come back there and there at that particular place. So this is the place chosen by the Lord. It'll go on to be uh, known as Jerusalem. Uh, and notice the verse says, take your son there. Okay, no problem. And then offer him there. What? What are you talking about? Um and so we're familiar with this story. Is everyone familiar with the story? Anyone reading this for the first time? Okay. And so you're kind of like, yeah, bring your son there, offer him up, everything will be good. Uh, but remember, <laughs> those words must have shocked uh, Abraham. Uh, and he's bringing him as a burnt offering. Now we do see that he's going to cut him with a knife later on. So how's that work? Is he going to cut him with a knife or is he going to burn him? Well, in the temple, it's both. What's that, uh, Bob? Yeah, they would slay the sacrifice first, and then it would be consumed in the fire. Uh, and so that's what it's referring to. Unlike Molech. Yeah, terrible. Children in their lives and let them burn to death. And then they would... So Molech, they would uh, create like a human... It was a statue of sorts. Arms would uh, would be extended. They would lay the baby in there, light it. It would be like metal sort of, of some like sorts. Burning incense in you know, like when you have a pot to burn incense in. Except this was like a human. A human. Thing and, but then I think the worst human. thing of it was while the baby would scream, yeah. they would dance around yeah. the fire and yell and scream and do all kinds of stuff to drown out the sounds, believing that God would be appeased by this. Uh, and that's the point Mark brings up that. You did things that wouldn't even come into my mind, he says. You know, it's a very, very sad man's attempt. You know, we, when we go to Belize, we we take a trip to, like, the Mayan ruins or whatever. And we, we go up to the top of this, uh, I guess it's called a ziggurat, I mm-hmm. think. It, we go up to the top of it. You went to that? Yeah. And they have this big stone Sacrificial where they stone. sacrificed mm-hmm. people. 
there. You yeah, know? and then and it has the pl it has the thing um, where the blood runs down. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, but believing that God would be pleased, um, mm -hmm. sad. Well, it says one of the mountains, so the the land of Moriah, and there in Jerusalem, there is a like a a range of mountains, um, not like the the Alps or something, but where it goes on for countries. But there's a range of mountains, um, and that is on one of those mountains is where he's going to be asked to bring his son um, Isaac. Um, but notice it says, of which I should tell you. And so Abraham isn't given all the details. He's not given the blueprints where he can approve it and stamp it in the corner. Um, he has to go forward not fully understanding but obeying, uh, which, he, which he does. So verse 3, notice these amazing words. It says, Abram rose early, Abraham rose early in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things you you wake up early to do because you're excited to do them. Mm -hmm. um, this wouldn't be one of those things, I would think. You know, if if I was committed, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it, I, I'd probably get around to doing something like this at 11.50 p.m., you know, not early in the morning. But Abraham... In quick obedience, he does what he's asked to do. Um, he knows what he's supposed to do. He's not going to, uh, well, let me think about it. Let me talk to some people. Let me pray a little further. Um, and as people have said, the longer you delay, the more likely you're not going to do it at all. And so quick obedience. Um, and again, the place of which God had told him. Now, I want you to notice that if, if you look at verse 2, it says, one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Mm. And here now in verse 3, it says, He's to the place it. of which God had told him. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere in this three-day journey, which I'm not sure if we've read yet, but he goes on a three-day journey. Somewhere in this journey, or somewhere in that night, before the journey even began, more details were given to him. Because mm -hmm. one, he was going to tell him, and now he has um, told him. Um, so... I don't know. Do whatever you want with that. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Verse 4, On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Um, third day? More than just a good band, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this whole picture of God offering up his son, the father, the son giving his life, and, um, you know, the third day or whatever. So, again, just take notice of that. Um, and then notice in verse 4 it says, and he saw the place from afar. So it wasn't just go to the mountain somewhere, find a spot up in the mountains and you'll be good. There was a specific place there in the mountain um, where Abraham would offer. Um, Jewish tradition is that the place where Abraham offered Isaac turned out to be the threshing floor of Aruna. That's in 1 Samuel 24 that David purchased mm -hmm. when he made sacrifice and that that threshing floor became the place of the Holy of Holies for the temple as time went on. So the idea is that where Abraham offered Isaac is where the temple itself was built and the sacrificial lamb would be. That's Jewish tradition uh, and that may be true. That It's pretty cool. It lines up. It's a high point there of Mount Moriah and so on. Others have suggested and I have a little harder time believing this. It just seems too perfect. Now, the Lord could do that, certainly so. Um, other tradition is that the highest point of the land of Moriah is just off of the Temple Mount um, at where 
we know to be Golgotha, right. which is Calvary, and that the place where Abraham offered Isaac was the place where the father offered his son. Right. Certainly could be that. It I just seems really too, perfect, but, and it's like, like, oh, maybe, you know, but, you know, I remember somebody once said that women, ha- men have one less rib than men, or than women, I should say, mm-hmm. because, you know, God, and, you know, people ran around saying, wow, that's amazing, look what God did, and, you know, yeah, it's not true, though, right. you know what I mean, so, <laughs> so, sometimes we want to believe things or something, but, so I don't know, but I will say this, it's right in that area there, if you go to Israel, the Temple Mount, uh, you know, you go up on the wall. Did you ever go up on the wall? Yeah, we did. We did all can the way can you see Golgotha right from the wall, or is there some stuff in the way now? You could. I think you could see it. If you know where you're looking, it's there's a corner of the wall. As a matter of fact, there is a guy. Because remember that was like the British. Uh, mm-hmm. So the the garden. We're having a little conversation. <laughs> the, the, the garden tomb area is under the control of, oh. not the country of Britain, it's, yeah. but it's it's under British control. Okay. Um, meaning it's like. If you own, yeah. uh, like, if you owned property, and that's where the garden tomb is, <laughs> and it's the, the British own it. Well, there was one guy in like the late 1800s, a British guy, and he was sitting on the. He's the one who kind of discovered it. Actually, oh. he was sitting on the Temple Mount wall. There's, it's real wide. You can sit up there and you can kind of look all around Jerusalem. And he was just kind of looking out to the, I guess the east or so, the East Gate. Would that make? Yeah. So he was looking out that way. And he saw a cliff or whatever, and he said, that looks like a face. And then he remembered his Bible. You know, they call it Golgotha, the place of the skull, because it looked like a face and all that. And then they did some unearthing, and they found um, a tomb that was underground by now. Um, and so, anyway, that's that. Okay? Um, so... Anyway, it's right up there in the region, the land of Moriah. And so now I like the other use definition of the word Moriah, chosen of God or chosen by the Lord, foreseen by the Lord. Mm-hmm. That the remember the scripture talks about how before the foundation of the earth was laid, you know, the land was slain or whatever, that he knows a couple thousand years ahead what's gonna happen in that very same area. His son's gonna be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you. So I've been saying Jewish tradition says that uh, Isaac was as much as maybe 30 years old. Here he's referred to as a boy, but it's significant to know that this word boy can refer to basically any unmarried man. And Isaac is unmarried, and so um, it could refer to him as well. Okay. Uh, That's good. I haven't got out of my boyhood yet. That's right. Hey, boy. (laughs) All right. Uh, It talks about worship. Uh, First time the word worship is used in the Bible. Um, Notice not a song is sung, at least that is recorded in this passage. A lot of times we think of worship as singing songs. Um, Worship is is far more than that. In this case, the worship involves a sacrifice. Um, But notice Abraham's faith. He says, I and the boy will come again to you Um, now is he just trying to throw off because remember it's Abraham and a couple of servants and Isaac you know maybe he's trying to like throw them off the track and so they don't stop him and so he said yeah we'll be back is that what's going on I don't think that's what's going on what you I can't hear what you say doesn't seem like it no I don't think that's it Um, so Abraham is asked to offer his son (coughs) 
we know that he's willing to do it because he goes through with it. I'm not sure if we've read that yet. And so um, that word worship is uh, shaka, to bow down. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to do it, um, but then he tells these guys, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you about Abraham? he got more information that night than what he let on that God said I'm just going to bring you to the edge and don't you'll be good well he says God will provide for himself you know he tells Isaac later on that God will provide for it so it sounds like he may have gotten some more information like God says don't worry about it take care of it but I want you to follow these steps and do it and go through with it how about Hebrews 11 now we have some more. You said he got more information. We have more information. Hebrews 11 gives us insight into what Abraham is thinking. So go ahead and turn there, please. And this is an interesting aspect of the man Abraham. We know that Abraham was a man of faith. He's called the father of our faith. Um, and this reveals to us Uh, sort of an inside look to the man's faith. This is verses 17 through 19. Somebody want to read that? I'll read it. Thanks. The faith of the patriarchs. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he received him in a figurative sense. Okay. So Abraham, I think this tells us, didn't fully understand what was going on, but figured, hey, it's not my problem, it's God's problem. Because God said through Isaac, seed would come. Isaac's unmarried, doesn't have any kids. And so God's got a problem. And so... Uh, it's going to be a neat trick to see how he does it. But I'm going to kill this kid, and God's going to bring him back uh, one way or another. He's got to. So he's so confident in God's promises that he can say to these guys, we'll be back. Um, it's really cool. Um, now, do you believe God could raise someone from the dead? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Very good. Because the scripture tells us and it gives us examples. What examples did Abraham have? Well, I you know, I thought about that. He did you? He just in reading this, he just witnessed um basically a miracle in his mind, I would imagine, when Sarah gave birth mm-hmm. to Isaac. So God was faithful and giving him a son, which Abraham really didn't, I don't think he 100% believed it. And Sarah kind of laughed, um, like, what are you kidding? Yep. But God, God was faithful. And I think based on that premise that he, that grew his faith in God's promises. So God said, sacrifice your son, mm-hmm. and Abraham trusted that God was going to, you know, whether he, 
do the miraculous. Even though he was going to go through with it, that he would bring his son back. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't have any examples of God raising people from the dead, but he does have examples of God doing the miraculous. Right? Yeah. No, it's related to a life. Here he brought a life where there wasn't a life. Huh, that's good. Oh, you guys are good at this. <laughs> good answers. We have to realize too, we're not we're not that far away from the flood time either. That's so, right. The chart. Yeah. So all that <laughs> all that stuff that happened pre-flood had been passed down verbally somehow to him. I'm right. Sure. So he knew, you know, God created man. <laughs> he surely can make another one. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, uh-huh, and all uh-huh. the stuff that happened. You know, yeah, all that stuff. I got you. <laughs> all right. Going along with what you said. But I have to say it's very commendable um, that this fella is, uh, this fella, Abraham, um, is trusting in that way. Um, And I think a lesson for us here is there are times when God may ask us to do things we don't understand. And in those instances, it's our responsibility to rely on the things we do understand about God. And so Abraham understood through Isaac your seed will be blessed, and so on. Uh, I don't understand how he's going to do that if he's dead, but I trust the first promise that I do understand, uh, and so on. And, and so, obedience—it's the the principle of obedience too. Yeah, you may ultimate, not understand, but do ultimate it. Ultimate obedience. Yeah. All right, verse six. Now Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so <coughs> both of them went. Uh, together. Um, Notice this, the wood is laid on the back of Isaac uh, and he carries it up the hill, um, very similar to Christ, uh, laying the cross on his back and carrying it up um, until he couldn't carry it any further. And so they went, both of them together. Uh, This is a phrase which means they went in agreement with one another, that that Isaac isn't going kicking and screaming. that he's a willing participant in it. Now he does ask the question here in verse seven. And so Isaac said to his father, my father, again with an exclamation point. Um, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Um, now, I don't know if my mind is just imagining this, but it feels as if to me that it's almost as if, you know, this is a three day journey and they stop for the night and they're laying there in the dark and Isaac says dad you, know, you awake and his dad is quick to respond and then Isaac asks a question that he'd been thinking about and dad we have a fire and we have you know um, whatever all the other stuff but what about the lamb and then the dad answers the question almost that they're they're kind of meditating on what is going on. Both of them are, are laying there thinking. I don't know if that's the case. Um, well, because normally would they just they would be bringing the lamb sure. with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So he's like, uh, we don't have a lamb. You're picking so. a lamb up somewhere? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, yeah. The we're lamb shop. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the giant. The lamb store. <laughs> now, we're talking about first. This is the first time the word lamb uh, mm-hmm. appears in the Bible, which is a... A big word in the Bible, uh, lamb, not big, but it, it appears a lot, Old and New Testament. Um, I find it fascinating that the first time it appears, essentially it appears as a form of a question, where is the lamb in the Old Testament? 
First time it appears in the New Testament. Anyone know where that is? Oh, John three. It's not Matthew, Mark, it, or Luke. Isn't it Simon it's in, in the John. temple when mm. they bring the baby to the temple? This is the. Is it? That's is that. That's it doesn't use the word lamb there. Oh, okay. But it's John the Baptist who says, Behold the Lamb. So put those two together. First time in the Old Testament, where is the Lamb? First time in the New Testament, behold the Lamb. Um, answering the question, which I think will go to the next verse where it says, You know, where's the Lamb? And he said, God will provide for himself the Lamb. You know, behold the Lamb. Now, some of your versions, I don't think any of ours here, though, um, do not include the word for. So it reads, God will provide himself the lamb. I have four himself uh-huh. in New King James. Some of your versions don't have four. Okay. So it says, God will provide himself the lamb. Some of your versions will have the word four, but have it italicized. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. Or well, however it, your Bible does it. Yeah, his self, his, himself is an H. So it's sort of, when What's I that? read this, it makes it look like it's him that uh-huh. he's providing. Would you say it's not aged? It, no, it, it's in. Um, it's capitalized. Oh, okay. So it look the way it reads to me is that he's providing himself. himself. Like, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> in the original language, the word for wasn't there, but it didn't seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, God will find himself. Throw four in. Put it in parentheses so people know it wasn't there. But we'll help explain it for the mm-hmm. language translation, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's okay that it does that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want the Greek? Yeah, what do you it's, got? It's clumsy. <clears throat> My son, for the burnt offering, a lamb to himself will provide God, Abraham said. It's like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so the, okay. I thought it would say a lamb himself, but it does say a lamb to himself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so... Uh, by obviously I think again looking backwards we say well that's so cool God will provide himself a lamb behold the lamb of God uh, in that regard Um, and so therefore Abraham is really prophesying exactly what God was going to do he was going to provide himself down the road uh, a lamb in a place that was foreseen you know on Mount Moriah Um, his only son was going to go up on a cross and so on Um, and so Again, both of them went together, and that means that they went in agreement with one another. Okay? Okay. Well, that builds the story up. <laughs> we will have to come back and find no. out. We have to. It's windy. You hear the trains <laughs> rushing by? Um, so we'll have to figure out what happens. I would encourage you not to read ahead because you don't want to ruin the story. Right. Do you want... Um, I just looked up... The meaning of the law first mentioned, and it is prin- yeah, what do you prin- got? principle is a really good way to say it. But this is the law first mentioned may be said to be the principle that requires one to go to that portion of scriptures where the doc- doctrine is mentioned for the first time to study the first occurrence in of the same order in order to get the fundamental inherent meaning of that cool. doctrine. That's very good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So. Um, <clears throat> Point of application, the Lord will continue to put his finger on areas of our lives. Uh, and if he's not, you should be a little concerned about that. That uh, You know what, I, I haven't arrived. There's a lot of growth. Now, who's been a believer here long? How long have you been a believer? 1990. 
Oh boy. So I'm, a, I'm a year before you. How about you guys? Long time? In the 80s, so you're the winner so far, I think. <laughs> Rich, how about you? No. After? Yeah. I, <clears throat> in the service, but I was not a practicing Christian, so. Okay. Um, I didn't really start learning about, um, and we started reading the Bible until um, probably 2006. Really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, but in, in 74, I was saved. Wow. Yeah. Took that long. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway, the point that I'm making is, you know, even if you've been a believer a long time, uh, the Lord continues to do a growing process, and that's really good. It's you know, a relief. It's, it's a relief. Yeah, yeah, it's a relief for me. Uh-huh. You know, people who have been Christians a really long time still. Oh, I see. Pro- As a younger I mean? believer compared to a <coughs> yeah, long-time believer. Okay. Yeah. I got a lot of time to make up for What's that, Bob? It's definitely a process. It is, yeah. Like you can still be a hot mess even if you've been a believer for a while. Yeah, you know, I think that, yeah, you know, I think it's maybe less noticeable to others, but it's it's more pronounced in your own life. Like you you know it, and nobody else may be aware of it, Mm. and it grieves you more. You know, like I can't believe I just thought that thought or whatever when that lady cut me off or I always blame ladies um, or whatever and you know people will be like really you're upset about a bad thought that came into your mind or whatever uh, like, yeah because it breaks fellowship or whatever and that it's good we want to grow we want to be more like the Lord so mm-hmm. if he puts his finger on a precious area give up just one last comment um, you know, when we look at these things, and not just the story of Abraham and Isaac, but <clears throat> as much as for it was for Abraham, it's also yeah. for our benefit as we read it. At least in the sense that <clears throat> there's, when you look at all the parallels in the Bible, there's no way that these things could occur by chance. There has to be someone sovereign orchestrating these things mm-hmm. in order to demonstrate to us you know the reliability of this mm. book yeah mm. so. you're right I like the story of Abraham because it reminds me to wait on the Lord when it don't feel so comfortable mm. alright let's uh, pray <laughs> Father we, uh, we hear the wind blowing outside and, and we do pray that you would bring each of us home safely um, this evening. Father, we do thank you for just the uh, start of this conversation on Abraham offering his son. And and Lord, we do pray for our own lives. Our desire is uh, to keep going forward with you. And uh, Lord, we look at this ultimate um, command request made to uh, Abraham. And, and there's an aspect of that, Lord, where we uh, we pull back from that um, these things that are precious to us we we are reluctant to let go of and uh, and Lord we know that it's in that process that we we learn more of who you are Lord that you are worthy we learn aspects of your nature that we would have never known before and so Lord uh, even in the difficulties of uh, 
of making those decisions. We do pray that our eyes would be firmly fixed on you and trusting in you. And even if we're reluctant or we have been for a bit, um, Father, bring us to the place where we finally just say, all right, Lord, it's yours. So, Lord, we commit our night to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Sermon Podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.